0: All alone, all going. Lovely to be with you. And uh, yeah, Daphne, Daphne's been up a week already. She'd been visiting her sister. It was her birthday, so uh, we haven't seen each other for about a week. So uh, we're meeting up today and um, uh, we'll be going home back to Hastings uh, this afternoon, this evening. It's always a pleasure to come and be with you. I mean that genuinely, it is. There will always be a special place in my heart for uh, Hope Community Church and of course all the people that make up the church. I've got a passage of scripture I want to uh, expound on this morning. It's found in Romans and it's chapter 8. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow or or these technical bits of machinery you've got in front of you. It's uh, from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verses 28. Uh, down to 39. i just say this before I read it. What is it that makes you such a wonderful person? Jesus. It is Jesus. Yes, of course it is. It's Jesus that makes us wonderful. But how does it work? How, how did you change? See, perhaps you've forgotten what it was like before you were a Christian. And... Um, you were miserable, so-and-so. Okay. Uh, I mean, the word describes you as vile. I mean, that's pretty serious. I've only called you miserable. God called you vile. Uh, so what is it that changed you? What, what, what is it that, that actually changes a person? What you might say, oh, I disciplined myself so that I could change. Or you might say, I've worked hard at change. Uh, You might say, I was determined, I've studied so I could change, or I've sacrificed in my life so I could be a better person, I could be different. Well, these are only evidences of your change. The Word of God is very clear what it is that caused you to change. It was the Word of God. Ah, The the Bible tells us that the gospel is the power of God for our salvation. It is the very gospel itself. What is the gospel? The gospel is the declaration of who Jesus is, that is the gospel. And it is the declaration of the gospel, the words of the gospel, the words themselves that entered into your human spirit. And when the word of God touches your human spirit, it brings about life, restoration, change. The words themselves bring about the change. Not you. The gospel is The power of God. Not it can can lead you to the power. It might help you to find the power. No, the gospel itself is the power of God. That means that the word of God transforms you. Of course, you have to apply yourself. You have to listen first. And you have to let the word of God do what it wants to do in you you have a part to play but it is purely the word of God you see that's why you don't read it as much as you should <laughs> I'm not having to go at you I'm not honestly that's why you turn off in sermons I'm not having to go at you, I'm not that's why the last thing you want to do is get more of the word because the word is the only thing that transforms the human heart that's, that's reality it is the only thing it's the only thing. You say, no, I'll try harder to be a Christian. Mm-mm, it doesn't work. I'll be determined. Mm-mm, it doesn't work. <laughs> but the word of God, when you let it enter into your heart... The gospel of Jesus Christ transforms us. <clears throat> what I'm going to read to you now... Is the word of God. <laughs> I am fully convinced that this word taken into your heart, enter into your spirit, can transform you this morning. Every sermon has the power, if you let it, to transform your life. Every testimony that you've heard has the power to transform your life. As the word enters our hearts, it transforms us. In my Bible, the editor has written... um, things are the subject headings. I suppose that's like in your Bible, not in all Bibles. Uh, so this particular passage, it says, more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. <laughs> not you can be more than a conqueror. Or it's possible if you work harder, you can be more than a conqueror. This makes a declaration. You, you are more than a conqueror. You are. You are because God said you are. That's the end of it. See, God makes statements about us that we don't believe are true. Jesus said, I tell you the truth many times. I tell you the truth. That means you're not going to believe this. But if you believe what I say, you'll discover it is the truth. You are more than a conqueror. You say, I don't feel like I'm conquering, quite frankly. I feel I'm going under. I feel I'm drowning. It's a lie. You're not. You're more than a conqueror. Let me read this passage to you then. Allow the word of God to enter into your spirit this morning, to let it transform and do what it's meant to do when you hear it. And we know. Do we know? Let's see if we know. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, we will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord some things there are very simple to understand easy, you just read it you go, I get that some stuff needs a little bit of explanation but whether you understand it or not the important thing is that the word penetrates into your spirit to produce life see I know a lot I read a lot. I study a lot. But there's a big difference between that which I know and that which the, the Word of God has entered into my spirit and transformed me. That's the difference. It isn't good enough to listen. It isn't good enough just to understand. We need the Word of God to penetrate into our hearts and transform us into the person of Jesus Christ. You say... It sounds like hard work, Phil. No, it's not. It's just by yielding. It's just by submitting. It's just by allowing it to take root and become a reality in you. It starts off that person, and we know. Well, you say, what does it start with, and? Well, there was another we know a few verses earlier, but we can't keep going back to what was before, otherwise we'd be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, so we're not going there. We know. What do we know? I won't read this all again, but I'll give you my, the way I believe I think this is interpreted. We know that God, God's attention and his commitment to your life is undivided. Can you say, amen to that? 100% committed. He is 100% committed to your success in transforming you into the person of Jesus Christ you go oh, I can't find me, can I if God's committed himself to transforming me into Jesus oh, for, I'm, I'm laughing I mean God God's doing this stuff and it's based upon his great love for us that's the reason because he loves us not because you deserve it because he loves you. He loves you because he created you and made you. He loves you. But you know, all loving relationships, they need to be reciprocated. Would you agree? See, God can love you with a tremendous love that you couldn't measure or imagine or fathom out how deep is the love of God. It's almost beyond comprehension. But if you don't reciprocate, if you don't open yourself, if you don't love you limit his ability for that love to penetrate you <laughs> that's in the natural isn't it, if you love someone but they don't love you there's little you can do with them there's nothing you could say to them they won't receive your gifts, they don't want to go out with you, they don't want to talk to you you're, you're it's a terrible thing if you love someone and they don't love you. It must be awful. Awful. And you can't just stifle your love because it's real. God loves you, but for you to receive all that he has for you, you have to reciprocate the love. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and being. For what reason? That which he has and wants to show with us can come to us. God doesn't need us to love him. God doesn't need anything. He's God. But he says, if you love me with all of your being, then you will receive more of me. If he ever asks us to do anything, it's that we might be the recipients of more. Not that he's trying to make life difficult or hard or disciplined, but that he might do more in us and through us. God has always loved you God loves everything he's ever made he loves this earth, he loves the planet he loves every person that walks on the face of this earth and every person that has ever lived he's always loved them before you were born God knew everything about you (laughs) excuse me, that doesn't make sense How can God know me before I was ever born? Scripture says that. Scripture says that God lives outside of time. So he lives actually in eternity, from eternity to eternity. So when God looks into time, he sees your life. He sees your birth, your salvation, your death, your resurrection he sees you in heaven he sees you now in heaven because he's outside of time you see you go no I don't see I understand you don't see because we're limited to heads that lock us into time but be assured that God knows everything about you everything that you were going to do and everything you will do he knows everything about you he lives outside of time. So what did God know about you? He knew that one day you would hear the gospel. Maybe you would hear it two or three or four or ten times. But there would be a day when you would respond. Thank you very much. Vicky. There would be a day when you would respond to God in faith see he knows everyone who will respond to him and he knows the ones who will not respond to him the ones that will respond to him the bible puts it like this he calls them knowing that people don't respond he doesn't call them but knowing that you will respond he cautioned for himself. You believed, and you exercised faith—that which we've been hearing about this morning. And through exercising faith, you were reconciled to God. Didn't have to do anything, did you? Really? You heard something, of which you believed. And then God granted you with faith so you could have faith in what you were told and he saved you. You were called and he saved you. What does it mean to be saved? What does that mean to be saved? Well, it's a long answer or it's a very simple one. When you responded in faith, when God granted you the faith to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he died for you, God gifted you with something. He gifted you with righteousness. You say, I thought he gifted me with the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Forgiveness of sins was part of it. What he gifted you with was righteousness. He declared that you were righteous in his sight. So he could fellowship with you because he made you and put you in right standing before him. See, prior to that, you owed God. You owed God because of the sin and the separation and the selfish way you lived and you didn't want anything to do with God. And by the way, the Word of God says no one is without excuse. Every person that's ever born, the law of God is within them. They know they should worship God, but because you chose not to, you owe God. But he granted you righteousness that put you in right standing before God. That means as I stand before God, as you stand before God, you owe God nothing. You did owe him a lot. But he took Christ and he nailed him to the cross as a substitute for you. He substituted your death that which you owed him you owed him your life but he took the life of jesus and because we have faith in that jesus died for us god grants us righteousness so you can stand before god from this moment forward for the rest of your life in right standing you need never be ashamed in the presence of God from now and forever, and forever, and forever, and forever, and forever. Isn't that wonderful? You see, we sang, he's faithful, he's faithful, but we're not so faithful. As far as he's concerned, you can stand in his presence, you have been made righteous. Not because you did anything good, but because he graced you and gifted you with that righteousness that was from him. That you have the gift of righteousness and now you can stand in front of him. Does that mean you won't ever sin again? Of course you will, you terrible people. You're like me. But sinning doesn't remove you from his presence. It doesn't diminish your righteousness Your sin doesn't diminish it one little bit. You stand before him now forever, a righteous man or woman in the face of God. What a wonderful salvation. You think, I thought I had to keep working at this. Being good, repenting, getting it right, stop making mistakes. That's not what this teaches. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus if you cast your mind on the story of the prodigal son that's a wonderful story you, you can really understand what salvation is with the prodigal son see the prodigal son went away from home saying father I don't want you bossing my life anymore I know you're right, and I know you're my father, but I want to do my things my way. That is what you were like, created by God, but said, "I don't want to do things your way, God. I want to run my own life." Mm. So off you went, trying to run your life. Now you didn't end up with pigs trying to eat their food and stinking and dirty and poor and destitute. Well, some have. But you probably didn't. And then it says he came to his senses. How did he come to his senses? I believe God spoke to him. He said, son, you need to come to your senses. He said to you, you need to come to your senses, Jimmy. This is no good for you. And so he came home. That's what you did. You came home to God. And you had a speech just like the prodigal. (coughs) 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 Oh, God, what a wicked man I've been. I've done such terrible things, and terrible this and terrible that and terrible the other. And terrible, 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 terrible. terrible. I've ignored you. I've ignored you. (coughs) And the father says, shh. bring the robe of righteousness and put it on him. He never told the boy to go home and have a wash first. Did you realize? He was skinny and hungry and starving and filthy and smelt of pigs. <coughs> but the father says, bring a robe and clothe him in righteousness. Over all the filth, over all the smell, he put the robe of righteousness on you. He did the same to you. While you were still filthy, he put the robe of righteousness on you. Amen. Praise God what a gospel what a gospel he didn't say well you better have a wash first son we'll have a little talk about this you better get some food in you and by the way you stink you better use a lot of aftershave he didn't do any of that he hugged him and kissed him and clothed him in robes of righteousness just like he did you God is conforming you now To the person of Jesus Christ. The work was starting now on the boy. He saw how much his father loved him, the declaration he made over his life. Now the boy was pleased. He thought, I'm not trying to prove myself to my father, he's accepted me as I am a filthy wreck. So any cleaning up that happens is for my benefit, not for God's. If you don't clean your act up, it doesn't change God's attitude towards you, you stinker. He loves you. He declares you righteous. He sees you righteous in his sight. That's wonderful now, we clean our act up, or rather he cleans us up, because it's to our advantage so, so if I read my Bible, God will be pleased with me no he won't no he won't you will be pleased with you because the word of God will get into your heart and you will be transformed I'll pray God will be pleased with me if I pray no he won't his attitude towards you won't change whether you pray or don't pray. See, we're into works. Of course you're going to pray because you have a loving relationship with God who is so wonderful, so why wouldn't you talk to him, for heaven's sake? And you know that the entry of his word gives light and experience and power, so why wouldn't you read his Bible to please him? No, to strengthen you. That's it. Why do you come to church? Because God expects help you? No! He doesn't care if you stay at home and stay in bed all morning. He loves you the same, whatever you do. But he knows there's a blessing in coming. So he says, come! Come! The blessing is all yours for coming. He's transforming us to be like Jesus. You know, one day we will all stand together if we're born again in a new world. You will be who you are. You will have the personality that you have. Because there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with your personality, it's who you are. You will have the renewed mind that you have when Christ calls you home. You have a culture, you have a color to your skin, you have an identity, you have a personality. That's who you are. If we lose all of these things, it's not you in heaven, it's someone else. So you've got to be there. The Filipino, the African, the, the West Indian, whoever you are. You will be in heaven with your personality and your identity and who you are and your intellect. It's you that's going to be in heaven. But between now and then, he's working on our character. That which can be changed into the character of Christ. And if you die and he hasn't quite finished, he'll have to continue after, won't he, in the next world? Because to live with Jesus, we have to be like him. We should be equally yoked in our marriage, shouldn't we? And if we're going to marry Jesus, we'd better be equally yoked in our marriage to Jesus. Our characters will be changed. He says here, what then shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, if God has acquitted us, if he's justified us, if he's made us righteous in his sight, who can can judge us? Surely there's no one who can oppose us. He goes on to say here, and if God was prepared to give us his son to secure this eternal relationship with him, we can well believe he'll give us everything that we need to get the job finished. Amen? Having paid the great price of Jesus, do you think he will leave you without the necessary tools so he can't conform you into his image? Gee, what a wonderful salvation you have. I've got to try harder, Phil. No, don't try any harder. Please listen to the word of God. That which you try harder to do never works. Otherwise, you could make a whip and you could flog yourself. Whoa! Ah, I get it. And you could discipline yourself and starve yourself, and it won't change you one little bit. It'll make you angry and resentful. And because you're living by the law, you would come under a curse from God. Because he who tries to find righteousness through the law is cursed. So cut it out. Actually, there is one person, it says here, who can oppose you. There is one person. Only one person in the universe. Because God has chosen you. There is one person who can override what God has said. The one whom God has given all authority. The one whose responsibility is to judge all men. Who is that? Christ Jesus himself. Christ can judge you on the final analysis. He is the judge of all men. He is a man and will judge all men. He will either be the prosecution or the defense. For all of you that are trusting in Jesus, here's your defense. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you've got right or how much you've got wrong or how much you pressed on or how much you didn't press on Jesus is your defence oh hallelujah that <laughs> means I won't probably make it in all spheres and all areas of my life I will die wanting but Jesus is not my prosecution he is my defence He is at the right hand of God even now and he is interceding for me. What does that mean? He means he's speaking up on my defence. He covers his eyes sometimes and goes oh Phil, Phil never mind, I'll speak up for you Phil. Phil, Phil don't say that, don't do that. I'll speak up for you Phil because I'm your defence, Barrister. I'm your defense. When I thought of this, I thought about Jesus. Remember when the Pharisees got that woman who was, they caught her in the very act of adultery? That must have been the setup, I think, anyway. So they drag her to Jesus and they throw her before him and they're standing there, the prosecution but Jesus is her defense barrister, and he's smart. It's a picture, a prophetic picture of Jesus being the judge. This woman, caught in the very act, passed sentence on her, Commit her to death, allow us to stone her, that's what the law says. Jesus writes in the sand, just like a perfect barrister he comes up with a a remark that will freeze everyone in the court he says you who has never sinned carry out the sentence he says from the oldest to the youngest they walked (coughs) away and jesus said go i don't condemn you either Sin no more, but go. Do you know what that tells me? That God, through his son Jesus, who is the judge of all men, he will judge your heart. Oh, praise God. You know, sometimes I do things that I don't want to do. Sometimes I say things that I didn't really mean. God's looking at my heart, you see it's my heart of course he hears the words he sees the actions but he looks beyond the words and the actions into the heart of a person see there will be some people at the judgmental saying, Jesus we did these miracles in your name and we performed mighty things and we prophesied in your name and he'll go, shh I'm looking at your heart I'm looking at your heart and another man was like, God, oh, I'm just a wretched man. And he was like, Shh, I'm looking at your heart. Oh, so glad he judges our hearts. Our hearts that have been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and made pure and righteous in his sight. Is this good news? Oh, no. Are you listening to this? <laughs> I tell you, this will transform your life. It will, honestly. The Word of God mingled with the Spirit of man can transform a human life. Is it possible that something can separate us from the love of God? (coughs) Or somebody separate us from His love? It seemed in our sister's testimony that something separated her from God. But God never separated himself from her. He said, come on girl, get to church. Get along there. And she just, okay, so she wasn't that disobedient, was she? She thought she was, but she wasn't really. She ran along to hope and found Jesus again. See, he was faithful. We sometimes say and do some silly things, don't we, in our lives? I'm not saying you're silly. I'm not saying that. But we do do them. We're all all guilty of stuff like that. Can anything separate us from God's love? In the Song of Songs, it says that God's love is as strong as death. Oh, that's a funny statement. You see, with death, you can't cheat it. You can't. You will die unless Jesus comes back. You can't avoid death, it will come to you. You can't overcome it in some way. The world is trying to make us live longer and longer and longer and longer, but it's only by a few years. Death's coming, folks. See, it's a powerful thing. But his love is stronger than death. Oh, you, cannot, you cannot quench his love, you cannot defeat his love, You cannot break the power of his love, whether in this material world or in the invisible world. The love of God is so powerful. That's what's holding on to you. (laughs) Oh, praise God. That's what's holding on to every one of us. The material world talks about trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the sword. If you read the list, it gets worse, doesn't it? We've all had a bit of trouble and a bit of hardship. Some have even suffered some persecution. We don't know a lot about that in the West, let's be honest. But In other places of the world, they know exactly what persecution is. Some have experienced famine or nakedness or danger. A a smaller number, but still a lot of people have come under the sword. They've paid the ultimate price with their life. But be assured, with a trial comes a love and grace to match it. Do you want to put it to the test? You <laughs> say, like, no thanks, Phil. No. we many enough tests as it is. But didn't his love and grace match the test? All you had to do was hang on. Well, he hanged on to you, really. <coughs> How do I know this? How do I know that His love and grace will be sufficient in every trial? Because Paul says we're more than conquerors. You understand? Maybe something awful is coming down the road. I'm not wishing it on you for one minute. Will you stand up under it? Of course you will. (coughs) Why? Because you're more than a conqueror. I said, The devil comes to smash us. That's why we have trouble and persecution and famine and nakedness. He comes to smash us. But we're more than conquerors. Through Christ Jesus. Who loves us. When you come through the trial, you'll say things like this. It wasn't that bad. I was. It didn't seem that bad because of the grace of God. It wasn't that bad. I could have lasted a bit longer in that trial. Well, only because of the grace of God. (coughs) You'll say, I didn't realise I had it in me. Well, the truth is you hadn't. But when the trial comes, when the difficulty comes, (coughs) his grace is sufficient. (coughs) More difficulty, more grace. So don't feel sorry for people. Sometimes people who go through the most difficult trials understand more about the grace than you ever will. I remember an old pastor of mine preaching a sermon like this when I was a young man. And he said, Philip, will you close the meeting in prayer? And I prayed something like this. God, bring it on. Bring on the problems, God. Bring on the troubles, God! Bring on the trials, God! And people said to me afterwards, "You're right." <laughs> I said, "I was listening to the message." Do you want more of God's grace? More? Well, if you're soft peddling, you won't need any more, will you? And when it gets tough, and when it gets hard, and when it gets difficult, and when the persecution comes, the grace is there. Bring it on, God. (coughs) Bring it on, God, because I want more of your grace and more of your love. I am convinced, he says. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am convinced, he says. Are you convinced? Have I convinced you this morning as the word of God penetrated into your heart and brought revelation? Are you convinced? Are you convinced about the things he talks about? That God's powerful love will carry you through death? Do you believe that? He says it. it will carry you through death. Through every difficulty in life he'll be more than a conqueror. Fallen angels and demons will come into your life but as you walk with God, you will be more than a conqueror against them. It says there is nothing in this present or future that God doesn't know about that he hasn't made provision for. So you will be more than a conqueror. It goes on to say, in fact, there is not a power in the universe that could compete with God's loving power to make you more than a conqueror. There is no height nor depth that can quench his love. Whether you're famous in life or insignificant in life, it makes absolutely no difference. (coughs) Whether you have many friends or you are lonely, it makes no difference. Because he is more than conqueror. Whether you have joy or despair, whether you have riches or poverty, He is more than a conqueror. He makes you more than a conqueror. The fact there isn't anything in all creation that can separate you from the love of God. And God loves you like that because of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that why you come here this morning? To knock on Jesus? To tell him how much you love him? To be excited about the fact that you have a living relationship with Jesus? If you come for any other reason, you missed it. It wasn't the tea or the fellowship or the friendship. It was to know how much Jesus loved you and what his death meant to you. That was the whole purpose of coming that you can go again on forward with a transformed heart. That's why you're more than a conqueror. God bless you.